grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, for this Reformation service, our text for consideration is the Old Testament lesson from Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. I'd like to read a portion of this text once again, but before I do so, I would like you to keep in mind that the words that you're hearing were originally written in Aramaic. The Old Testament language is in Hebrew, but there are a few chapters in the Aramaic language. Hebrew and Aramaic use the same alphabet. Think of them like kissing cousins, so to speak. But the Hebrew language was actually the language of the Jews, where the Aramaic language was actually the language of commerce and of democracy or, or, pol or political language. And so when we know, and when I see the Aramaic language, we know immediately that these were words that were intended not just for the Jewish people, but for really the entire world, ourselves included. Then Daniel spoke with the king, Your majesty, may you live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because... He found me innocent in his presence. Also before you, your majesty, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very glad and said that Daniel should be brought up from the pit. So Daniel was brought up from the pit, and he was unharmed because he trusted in his God. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, so the first Sunday in November is traditionally the celebration of the Reformation. And really focusing on October 31st, where Dr. Martin Luther nailed on the castle door, the church door that is, the 95 Theses. These were theses that were originally written in Latin to be a basis for discussion among the scholars. It wasn't meant to be for the language of the people, and therefore he wasn't trying to be a revolutionist, but a reformer. Because the 95 Theses dealt with the abuses he saw in the area of indulgences. But the nailing of the 95 Theses, even though we celebrate it, is really not the greatest accomplishment of Dr. Martin Luther. Dr. Martin Luther, I would say, is better known among all the things that he did, when you think of the hymns and the books, volumes of books. But the one thing that really stands out in my mind is when he translated from the original language the Holy Scriptures into German. He was a believer that the people ought to re read the Bible for themselves in their own language. That was considered treasonous by the church of the day because the, the language was translated into Latin and that was to be good enough for the people. But that's not how Luther saw it. And because of his translation, he actually, to this very day, is known as the father of the German language. It had united the German languages, this Bible translation. But he didn't stop there. What he's also known for was petitioning his elector to pay for schooling for the children so that they would able so that they would be able to read and foremost be able to read the Bible. And so even today, 
Luther is known as the father of the public school system. With all that in mind, what was behind it all was really those words, sola scriptura, the Latin phrase by, by scripture alone. This was his passion because all of our life, all of our doctrine, all of our practices must be founded on scripture alone. Apart from traditions, apart from any other man-made laws, our practice in life is on scripture alone. And that includes our worship life, especially when it comes to our prayer life. It must be on Scripture alone. And a beautiful example of that is our text for consideration this morning. His name was Belteshazzar. This was the name that was given him when he was taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar back in the early 500 BC. We better know, we know him better as Daniel. Daniel was a Jewish young man who was taken from his home, but also taken from Jerusalem where the temple was. He was taken away from his worship life. Yes, taken away to a very far away country and, and in Babylon, there he would be trained. Because of his ability to actually interpret dreams which God gave him, he actually would be trained to become a magi, a wise man. It didn't take long that Daniel would eventually become the head of the magi. But then it didn't stop there. The Lord blessed Daniel with the abilities and administration and because of great respect by Nebuchadnezzar and even his son Belshazzar, Daniel ended up becoming a political figure. He was actually the governor of the capital city of Babylon itself. Great high honors. So when King Darius, also known as Cyrus, comes and attacks the kingdom of Babylon, and especially attacks the capital city of Babylon itself. Darius, the, the uh, king of the Medes and the Persians, would wipe out that entire empire. In fact, he would even expand it. And under the empire of Persia, he would start to set up satraps, who were basically governors, and he had 120 of them that would rule the different territories throughout the empire. And over these satraps, he would actually set up three administrators, and one of them was Daniel. It didn't take long for Darius to now want to change even that arrangement. It was his intention of having Daniel now rule over those three administrators who are ruling over all those governors. That would place Daniel actually second in command. Only the king would be higher than him in the entire land. Well, the other administrators and even many of the other satraps would have nothing to do with that. And they looked for a way to discredit him. They looked for a way for Daniel to lose his position in the sight of the king. 
but they couldn't come up with anything. And then came this one plan, and they thought they got him. It was a plan that would force Daniel to have to choose between his king or his God. They went to the king in a very deceptive way and, and actually asked the king to consider setting up a decree telling the entire empire that for 30 days they to, were to worship and pray to no one except to the king himself. Emperor worship was rampant even during this time. Well, the king, because of his ego and his own vain glory, fed into that and did not hesitate to, to, to write out the decree. But when he write out a decree under the law of the Medes and the Persians, that meant that not even the king could be above his own laws. And the law cannot be broken once it is written. And it was written. What was Daniel to do? Follow the law of the king or follow the law and word of his God? Daniel did as he had always done. And he went up to his upper room, which would have been probably the roof of the house. And there he prayed three times a day. And we learn a great deal about his prayer. First of all, he went to his house to pray. He didn't do it out in the public as a show. He wasn't seeking the glory of men. He went and prayed to his God, facing Jerusalem, which would have been the holy city where the temple had once stood. Now it was destroyed years ago under Nebuchadnezzar. But he still looked to Mount Zion. He still looked to that holy hill praising his Lord and saying his prayers. And also notice that he continually do, did this. This was his habit. And when you make something a habit, you make something important. In fact, when it's really your habit, you make that thing your most important. And look at all the things that we can treat as important in our lives and that we'll take our time for. In fact, we're even willing to sacrifice time for it. And none of it compares to worshiping your Lord and saying your prayers to your God. The other thing that amazes me about Daniel's prayer is that he says here, he continually to do this as he did before, giving thanks to God. I would have expected Daniel to maybe offer up prayers of praying for God's help because of, of the situation he was put under. I would have expected Daniel to maybe even call down curses from God to destroy his enemies who devised this plan against him. But instead, kneeling before his God in humility, with a believing heart, he gave thanks to God even for a horrid situation. Prayer, my friends, is a heart-to-heart -heart talk with God, and not one of us can claim we deserve the right to pray, knowing that we are by nature sinful human beings. 
Though why would any holy God want to listen to a sinful human being? But keep in mind, it is by the grace of God that we pray. It is our very God who gave his life for us on the cross to pay for our sins invites us to pray. And to pray knowing that with sins forgiven, we pray to the Almighty God knowing that he hears our prayers and that he does answer our prayers. In fact, he even has the Almighty power to answer prayer. So pray, my friends. Exercise the right that God has given you and make it your habit because it truly is the most important thing in your life. Worship, prayer, giving praise to your God. And if you find that you don't have the time, then rob it from something else because truly nothing else in all the world is more important than speaking to your God and taking to heart his word where God reveals his holy will to you. That's prayer. And so therefore, with a believing heart, give thanks to your God and thanking him above all for this beautiful gift called prayer. It was a beautiful gift for Daniel. And it looked like the men had won in robbing Daniel, who wasn't going to stop praying to his God. He wasn't going to pray to a false god, even if that false god was his king. So these men were watching for him and seeing that he was praying. Oh, they tattletailed and went right to the king himself. And they, and they said to Darius, didn't you set up this law that no one could pray to their God but only to you for the next 30 days? Yes, he had set it up. He put it in writing. It was in the law of the Medes and the Persians. It could not be revoked or repealed even by the king himself. Well, then Daniel has broken your law and the result is the den of lions. The king was not happy by this. Nor was he even angry with Daniel. In fact, he was distraught. He was overcome with anguish. He spent the entire day trying to look for ways to revoke the law. But the law stood. It could not be changed. And when evening came, the king would throw his most faithful servant into the lion's pit. But he would do so with these words. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. It was totally out of the hands of the king. And what does he do? He turns to God. But he doesn't say, my God or our God. He says to Daniel, your God rescue you. These are the words of a pagan, a heathen, an unbeliever who has no place to turn to except to ask Daniel to pray to his God with the hope that his God would save him. Even later, he'll call him a living God. But keep in mind, King Darius was not a believer at all. 
He was one who believed that, hey, one God among many. And his own self was one of those gods. Because any king was to be the son of God. With the small g, that is. King Darius went home that evening. And he could not sleep. He was ter terribly torn up inside. He, no entertainment would be brought to him. No food would, even, would he even accept. And when early morning came, he was the first one at the pit. And he calls out to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve continually able to rescue you from the lions? Oh, he was hoping that there would be a miracle that would be taking place. But deep down, these words must have been spoken with a heart that was hoping for the best, but totally expecting the worst. Thrown into a lion's pit? No, he's dead and gone. And then to hear from Daniel that he was alive? That the Lord God Almighty had sent an angel and silenced the mouths of those lions? To hear that, there were, or to even see that no harm was even brought to him? King Darius was so moved by that that he actually made another written decree stating that the God of Daniel, the living God he would call him, was now considered one of the gods of the entire empire that people were now invited and encouraged to pray to. But it didn't stop there. It is believed that because of this very episode, King Darius, also known as Cyrus, allowed for the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple walls, rebuild, or I mean rebuild Jerusalem's walls, rebuild the temple itself, and he would even take money from the treasury to support it. What looked like everything was falling apart. What looked like here Daniel was going to be defeated and, and put to death. Turns out was all part of God's plan for a bigger purpose that moved the heart of Darius. And for the good of the Jewish people. Who after 70 years of captivity will now be going back to Jerusalem and back to their home and worship life after the temple is built once again. Even Martin Luther, he was excommunicated by the Catholic Church. Even Dr. Martin Luther was one who was declared an outlaw by the emperor himself, Charles V of Spain, which means that he could be shot on sight and it wouldn't be against the law. No charges would be made by any man who shot that arrow. And yet, living under this, Luther continued to preach and teach, trusting in his Lord, who had a plan for him, and took that terrible situation and would use it for good. That same Lord God does the same for each and every one of us, 
When the Apostle Paul writes that God works out all things for good and for those who rest in his love, don't doubt those words. God has a plan for you. God is working in your life. And even the terrible things that happen in your life, consider this, God may be using it for good. He may be using it to move your heart or maybe the heart of another as they see the love of Christ burning in your heart, in your very life, as you walk each and every day, praying to your God and giving thanks to Him for a God who not only made you, and saved you, but a God who is using each and every one of us to proclaim his holy name. And there truly is no greater duty in all this world than to proclaim his holy name and live according to his word. Sola Scriptura, by Scripture alone, this is the mark of the Lutheran Church, but this is the mark of a Christian because sola scriptura by scripture alone is our great heritage and God's word is to be preserved and kept this great heritage that God has blessed us with The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>